Well, hello. It's so good to see all of you here today. My name is Ronnie, and I serve on the team here at One Hope. And I am so honored to hear to be able to do part two of our series, Teach Us to Pray. And as I prayed this week for our pastors, Josh and Amber, I thought, you know, Lord, they have led us so well in every area, particularly in the area of prayer. Before One Hope ever opened its doors, there was months of prayer. Everything we do here is seated with prayer. And the building that we are about to occupy, many prayers have gone before that project. So can you join me in honoring our pastors, Josh and Amber, right now for their example? You know, I never dreamed that at 63 years old with eight grandchildren, I'd ever stand on stage on a Sunday and share a message in church. It is such an honor to be here. Now, I've taught Bible studies for over 30 years. I've taught in a few women's meetings. But the most I've ever shared the Bible is when I taught in a Christian school. And I spent a few years in second grade and then a few years with first graders. And I loved that season. Every morning, we had a Bible story, and I had these huge picture cards that I would show them. The first day of every school year, those picture cards were about heaven and what the Bible said heaven would be like. And then I would say for us to go to heaven, we ask Jesus into our heart, Be the Lord and Savior of our lives. Help us to do the right things here on earth. And then we get to enjoy eternity forever in heaven. Well, on the second day of one school year, before we started with our story, I wanted a little review. I said, who remembers how we get to go to heaven? And one little boy raised his hand, and I called on him. And he very seriously said, well, first you have to die. <laughs> but what a way for the second day of school to start. <laughs> but one year, I don't remember which year it was, but after the Bible story, I laid my picture cards on my desk and I just absentmindedly picked up some hand lotion, put it on my hand, started rubbing it around before I prayed. And one of the students said, wow, that smells good. And I said, well, our prayers smell good. And I remembered that David prayed, Lord, let my prayers be as incense that go up to the throne of God. And I told that to the first graders that in Psalm 141, it says our prayers could be like incense. And I told them what incense was. And I said, you know, when we pray, when we speak to God, our prayers go up, up, up to the throne room of God. And he breathes in those prayers. And he breathes out his blessings. And I said, you know, heaven doesn't just look good, it smells good. And every day after that, every year after that, that was just part of our daily prayer time. Now, the disciples of Jesus' day also were taught about prayer. They were taught a lot about God. They knew more about God than the surrounding nations. 
They were God's chosen people, and they memorized prayer. In fact, before they were old, when they were still children, they had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament, every line, every page of the first five books of the Old Testament. They knew how to memorize prayer. Yet, when they saw Jesus praying, there was something in him that they wanted in themselves. There was something they saw in his prayer time that they wanted in theirs. Maybe it was that Jesus prayed everywhere, in the temple, on a mountainside, in a boat, at the tomb of Lazarus. Maybe they saw the passion and the joy he experienced when he communicated with his father. Maybe they saw the results of his prayer. For whatever reason it was, and probably all of those, they asked him a very straightforward question. In Luke 11, 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, some of us, when we think of prayer, we might think, wow, that's heavy. That's going to take a long time. That's a very serious thing. Or you may have thought one of the following things. Let me ask you, when you think about prayer, what do you think? Do you think, I feel ashamed. I've been a Christian a long time. I should be praying more by now. Or you might say, well, I feel obligated, but do I really have to pray for an hour? I hope not. I don't. Or you might say, well, I don't know what to say. I mean, if I went to meet the Queen of England, there would be certain things I could say and there would be certain things I couldn't say. How do I ever talk to the King of Kings? Some people say, I don't think he's listening. Well, the Bible begs to differ. Psalm 116.2 says, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Some might think, well, I don't want to bother him. Ronnie, have you seen the news? He's got bigger fish to fry. God is concerned with everything that concerns you. Some might have even thought, well, I don't trust him. Because, you see, I shared my heart and my feelings with someone else, and they betrayed me. How can I tell God what I'm thinking? He already knows. How can I tell God everything? What if all he wants to talk about is what I did in high school? Or finally, you might think, well, I don't get an answer. Now, I believe that God always answers our prayers. He says, yes. And we get all excited about that. Or he says, no, I've got something even better than that. Or he says, wait. A couple of years ago, my daughter Monique planned a trip to Colorado. She invited a lot of us, and I said yes. And my granddaughter Adeline said she wanted to go. And Adeline's mother, Lauren, said, Monique just wants me to spend all my money. 
And Monique said, yes, that is my diabolical plot. I want you to spend all of your money. But we headed to Colorado. We were going to have a lot of fun playing in the snow. That was the plan. As soon as we got to Denver, Lauren said, I don't see snow. I said, let's get off the plane first. We got off the plane. We crammed into a car. Monique's husband, Frank, was driving. Monique was in the front seat. Lauren and I were in the second seat with two-year-old Caroline between us, and Adeline, Olivia, and Charlie were in the back seat. And all of our luggage was piled in with us. We're driving through Denver. Lauren said, I still don't see snow. Monique says, we have to drive two hours. Lauren kept saying, all I see are red rocks, green trees. Where's the snow? Monique said, we have to drive two hours. Now, that conversation, variations of that conversation went on for an hour. The only thing that stopped it was when two-year-old Caroline became affected by the altitude, and she got sick. So I grabbed, tried to unzip my backpack that's wedged between my legs in the front seat, and Lauren curls into the fetal position, covers her mouth and her nose with her mask, and is now very grateful to stare at red rocks. Once we cleaned up Caroline, once I cleaned up Caroline, we kept driving. And before we knew it, Lauren said, I see snow. I see mountains. I see snow on mountains. I see a lot of snow. And when we got to the top of that mountain peak, oh, the view was worth it. We had fun-filled, snow-filled activities all day. At night, we went in the back in the hot tub. And one night, while we were all in the hot tub, Lauren burst through the back door, dressed in the Elsa costume and wig that she had packed in her luggage, and ran around singing, let it go, let it go. And on the last note, she went right into the hot tub. None of that would have happened had we turned around at the first sign of trouble. We had to go through some things to get to the mountaintop we had planned for. And sometimes life's like that. We plan for these mountaintop experiences. We pray these big prayers, and I'm with you. I am too. But don't stop at the first sign of trouble. Sometimes you have to go through hard, rocky, difficult messy situations before you get there. Don't stop praying. What if you are one prayer short of your victory? What if there's just one more day to you we're going to get the answer? Never stop. And if you have stopped, today you need to start again. And if you've never prayed, today we're going to show you how. Today would be a great day to start. So let's see what Jesus said when the disciples said, teach us to pray. Now, the words he said there in Luke are also repeated in Mark chapter 6, and it's a little more detailed there. So I'm going to use those. Would you pray those with, or would you say those with me? They'll be on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, some of you didn't even need to read that because you've already memorized that prayer. And if you have, I think it's great. I think it's great to memorize many portions of Scripture. But I think that Jesus, when he said to the disciples, pray in this manner, he wasn't necessarily meaning memorize these words, but pray with this outline. Pray these aspects of prayer and use these, incorporate these into everyday prayer life. So what if we looked at that as an outline? Well, Jesus first tells us, connect with God relationally. He began with our Father in heaven. Now, this might be a challenge if your earthly father was absent or abusive. But right there in Psalm 68.5, we are assured that God is the father to the fatherless. He sets the lonely in families. God loves you unconditionally, and he's a very present help in time of trouble. He wants you to call him Father. Romans 8.15 says, You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him, everyone say it with me, Abba Father. How you view God determines your relationship with him. And when you view God as your father, that he is, then prayer becomes the simplest activity. It's simply a child speaking to their father. So every morning before I get out of bed, I say, thank you, Father, for this day. Help me to take advantage of every opportunity that you send to me. Now, let's go. I can't wait to see what you've got planned. The second part of Jesus' prayer, Jesus' outline, we learn that we're to worship his name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy, worthy of praise and honor and worship. And in the Old Testament, there's eight Hebrew names for God. And I like to take a look at those eight. And I like to honor God and praise God for each aspect of who he is. He's our provider. In Genesis 22, 14, he's revealed as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's our healer. So I thank him for being the one who heals me. He's my banner of victory. He leads me into victorious triumph through everything. He is my sanctifier. He sets me apart and makes me holy. God is our peace. Oh, this morning on the way here, I prayed for the peace of God to just fill me. He's our shepherd. Psalm 23 tells us that he leads us. He feeds us. He even shows us where to rest. God is our righteousness, and he's always there. 
And I like to look at each part, each way that God has revealed himself to us. And in fact, one small group we did was, what's in a name? And every week we looked at the names of God and who he was and who he was to us. Proverbs 18.10 tells us God's name is a place of protection. The righteous can run there and be safe. He is our shelter in any storm. The third thing Jesus showed us was to pray God's agenda first. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Bible tells me that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So I like to say, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth. Let me exhibit your kingdom. Let me display your kingdom to the culture around me your righteousness, your peace, your joy, then maybe they're going to want what I have and what I've found in you. And when that happens, you know what that does? That leads us right into your will be done. We want God's will in every area. We want to care about what God cares about. And do you know the first thing on the heart of God? The children farthest away from him. God wants everyone to come to the saving knowledge of the truth. And he wants to get the children who are farthest from him to come home. Has a child ever gone missing when you were around? Last summer, my granddaughter Caroline went missing at a ball field. My daughter Monique walked up to me, ran up to me, and said, Have you seen Caroline? Well, I stood up, put my peanuts on my seat, and raced off in search of Caroline. Because you see, this ball field was bordered by a pool and a field and a canal and a railroad track. And nothing mattered except finding her. Nothing else. My nephew, Justin, came walking up to Monique, Caroline on his hip. Hey, look who I found. He was at a different ballpark. He didn't even know she was missing. She was in line at the concession stand trying to get something to eat. She gets it honest. And I brought her back to y'all. Well, guess who the MVP of that night was? God is concerned with the one who's missing. You know, if we had not found Caroline, I would still be looking every morning. I would wake up and wonder what we had not done. God is the good shepherd, and the Bible says he leaves the 99 and goes searching for the one who's missing. So at this part of my prayer, I pray for everyone I know who has wandered from God. I pray for the lost. I pray for those who have not yet accepted Jesus to be the Lord of their lives, who are not yet into the family of God. God is concerned about each and every one of us. And if you today would say, well, Ronnie, I'm the one who's lost, or I'm the one who's wandered away, today's the day for you to come home. If you've been praying for a sign, today's the, this is the sign. 
You have not gone too far. You have not been there too long to turn around and to come back to God. Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That leads us into the fourth part of what Jesus taught us. Depend on him for everything. Give us this day our daily bread. This is when you get out your list. God, you know what I need, but I'm going to remind you about that job and that car and the house payment and tuition. I'm going to remind you about that relationship and that building. This is when you pray to him for everything, what you need to nourish you on that day. Monique had planned another trip a couple years ago, Um, another step in her plot to get Lauren to spend all her money. And a week before we were to leave, Monique called me and said, hey, one of my kids is sick, so I'm about to pray, and I'm going to say God will take a day of rain in exchange for her health. And I said, wait! I said, no! This is not let's make a deal. I said, I think God can do both. I mean, I'd already paid for the trip. I said, uh, you know, I said, I, can, I think God can give us a good trip and heal your child. But I've done the same thing. I thought, Lord, am I asking for too much? Or I've acted like the child in the candy store with one coin in their pocket, not knowing what what to get, and forgetting that my father owns the whole store. Ask him for everything. Psalm 121, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The next thing Jesus told us was to get your heart right with God and people. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So at this part I say, Holy Spirit, shine a light on my heart and show me the areas where I've fallen. Show me the areas that I've, been, that I've sinned. And I repent quickly from everything that I'm shown. And then I say, Lord, help me not to hold others in offense. Help me to forgive everyone who's offended me. And if there's a name or a picture that pops into your mind when I say that, when I speak of forgiveness, that's a place to start. And then I decide to forgive. I don't always feel like forgiving. I make a decision to forgive because God has forgiven me of so very much. And you might be saying, Ronnie, that's hard. Well, if it was easy, you would have already done it. We do hard things, though, don't we? Forgive as we were forgiven. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then the next part of our prayer, we engage in spiritual warfare. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Now, these, the Greek words are translated in, in other translations. It says, do not let us be led into temptation. Don't let us be deceived, but deliver us from the evil one. So we learn here that prayer is not just a conversation with God. It's a confrontation with the enemy. And the line is clear. And we find that out in the Bible. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal your health, kill your dreams, and destroy your relationships. Jesus came to destroy the work of the enemy. The devil is the deceiver. He is a liar. When he lies, he speaks his native language. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Ephesians 6.12 says it like this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. We have identified our enemies as people. We've named them. Anywhere from the political party you're not a part of to the person who chews too loudly in your office. (laughs) Can anyone relate? The enemy is your, is, the enemy is the enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now that doesn't frighten me, because the Bible also says that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Because the Bible says that I am more than a conqueror. Because I've submitted my life to God and he fights for me. Because there is power in speaking the name of Jesus into every situation. And because he wins. He, God always wins. Stand against him. And the way we fight him is by filling our minds with the truth of the word of God and using those truths to dispel the lies of the enemy. And that means we read the word. And that means we hide the word into our hearts so we know the truth. And so we recognize the lies and the deception. My son-in-law, David, loves Chick-fil-A. We, we credit him for the Chick-fil-A we now have in Laplace where we live. Because <laughs> if they've tracked his spending through the years, they knew they had to put one a half mile from his home. The first three days it was open, he went there four times and bought enough for seven meals. The only one who likes Chick-fil-A more than David is his three-year-old daughter, Emma Kate. She loves Chick-fil-A. So her mother, Elise, also my daughter, decided to save some money and just make it easier. And she bought this huge bag of frozen chicken nuggets with red and white printing, and she prepared some of those for Emma Kate and served them to her. Emma Kate took a bite, and she pushed that plate back and said, this not (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Elise pushed it back. It's nuggets like you like. Here, dip them in sauce and, and eat them. She said, this not Chick-fil-A. 
Emma Kate could not tell you which spice ratio was off. She cannot tell you exactly how the breading was different or the texture of the chicken nugget, but she has only been fed authentic, real Chick-fil-A. So she knew an imposter. Oh, friends, we need to fill our minds and our hearts with the Word of God, with the truth. And I want to say that even more importantly, we need to fill our children and our grandchildren's minds with the truth of the Word of God. That way, when someone at school comes to them and say, let's do this, let's go there, let's try this, let's hate them. They may not be able to give them scripture and verse, but they know that that's wrong. They will discern the truth from the lie. We need to make sure we are armed. That's how we fight the enemy, with the truth of the Word of God. And any day that we're not fighting him, he's working harder than we are. So fight for your families. Pray a hedge of protection around those you love. I pray that no accident, no disease, no impurity, no imposter comes near them. Don't give in. Take back. Stand and fight. And finally, Jesus showed us that we're to express faith in God's ability. It's his ability, isn't it? Not ours. For yours is the kingdom. All authority belongs to you. Yours is the power. All mightiness, all strength flows from you. And yours is the glory. Your victory will be complete. For how long? Forever. Jeremiah 32, 7. Ah, sovereign God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing is too hard for you. And I love to conclude a prayer time with Revelations 5.13 and just give glory and praise to God, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Be praised and honor, and glory, and power forever and ever. Why will I always pray? Because I'm a child of God. And our final point, prayer is the natural outflow of a healthy relationship with God. So as long as I have breath, I will pray. And my prayers like yours, will rise up, up, up to the throne room of God. And he breathes in our prayers, and he breathes out his blessing. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? If you're far from God for any reason, you're one prayer away of being close with And it's a very simple prayer that I'd love to lead you in. You see, sin separates us from God. But Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. 
And when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, God forgives us our sin and draws us into his family. So if that's you today, you don't have to get out of your seat or raise your hand. Would you simply, in your heart, whisper these words? I'll lead you in the prayer. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I thank you that Jesus died and rose again for me. Please forgive me of leading a sinful life. I ask Jesus to come into my heart and be the Lord and Savior of my life. God, give me the strength to follow you all the days of my life.